Hi, Jim. How are you doing today? Okay. Uh, as you can tell, listeners, by the music, we're back at the university studio. And uh, as you pointed out, Ralph, uh, they don't seem to be wasting a lot of money on uh, air conditioning in, our, in this office. No, and we seem in Michigan here to have gone from uh, May immediately to August. It uh, has been real hot for the last three or four days and doesn't seem to be giving us any break for the next uh, half a dozen. Wow, okay. Well, I suppose we shouldn't complain too much about uh, warm weather since half the year is spent in you know the frozen tundra up here. Yeah, wishing for summer, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, yeah. end up wishing winter away and then wishing summer away. Is, what's the saying? Be careful what you wish for? You might get it. <laughs> okay. Well, we're getting something that's kind of interesting, Ralph, and I'll share this with our listeners. Ralph and I are working on a creative project. Um, Michigan, the, the licensing board in Michigan, has mandated that all... Uh, healthcare professionals take a two-hour course and there aren't very many of these two-hour courses around and so we're creating one. Yeah and in this case the two-hour course is uh, on a specific subject which is implicit or unconscious bias. Unconscious that's kind of interesting you know 10 years ago 20 years ago <laughs> you'd be thrown out of the American Psychological Association for mentioning quotes unconscious. Yeah, uh, everybody thought that, uh, you know, the thing to do was to bring everything into uh, the cerebrum and uh, think about it. Yeah, Cognition, right. yeah. yeah. So, hey, again, we see maybe uh, Freud is somewhat uh, vindicated, right? <laughs> it could be. Could be, okay. So, Ralph and I are, are now in the midst of this uh, uh, uh process and we'll we'll keep you informed because if any of you want to listen to our uh, presentation on unconscious or implicit bias we're going to welcome you and if you've got some mandates in your state uh, we can provide you with uh, documentation that you've taken the, the the course but it's kind of interesting when we look at the whole subject there's uh, there's the the cognitive aspect of it, you know, going back to the work of uh, Benanji in the 1990s with memory. But then there's also a uh, somewhat political context, right, Ralph? There is, yeah, because uh, uh, many people in the political field now are saying part of the problem with North America is that we do not have, in fact, equal treatment of people of color, uh, people who are disabled, people who are uh, uh, sig significantly overweight, that we tend to treat those folks badly or as less than equals. Okay, and something else that you know, we would say, no, no, we don't do that. We, we, we treat everybody fairly, or in your case, you treat everybody badly. <laughs> <laughs> Equally badly. Equally, yeah. Um, we say, no, no, we don't do that. But uh, the folks who are talking about implicit bias say that at the conscious level, we might say that we don't have a prejudice bone in our body, but at some unconscious level, we act or behave in some way to do as you suggest. Uh, to uh, I don't want to discriminate, I suppose, would be the, the correct term. So we've got this, this kind of balance here. We've got the 
the academics that uh, you know you and I know about and talk about, and then we've got sort sort of a uh, a political agenda going on here too. So we'll let you know how we balance this out. Yeah, and the the other thing which is maybe partially political, but maybe also partially in terms of uh, corporate or business. Uh, is more and more businesses are finding that uh, if they don't have some balance between uh, who they hire, who they promote, uh, and why, that uh, they're let out of certain government contracts, for example, uh -huh. uh, because okay. they they say uh, the the people who are letting the contracts say. Well, you know, obviously you don't have a balanced uh, slate of employees, so we uh, can't offer you the contract. Huh, okay. So more political stuff. Anyhow, we're finding that this is not just a, a simple, uh, you know, dig up the research and report it, but rather it's, you know, kind of a lot more complicated than that. And, in fact, it's becoming sort of different from other... Uh, research things that I've done, other uh, uh, studies where I've looked at, uh, at data uh, and reported it. And uh, it's, it's taking a lot more creativity to really sort through the wheat and the chaff and to try and come up with the ideas that uh, are most salient, most uh, um, mean the most to yeah. uh, and, you and, and I and people in the professional community. And part of the problem with that is that we are finding that there's lots of research that says uh, implicit or unconscious bias is real. Um, everybody has it to one extent or another and directed at certain groups uh, to one extent or another. But the problem is that there are relatively few uh, studies that say, well, this is what it is, and here's how you change it. Mm, true. And so we're, we're digging through, as I say, the wheat and the chaff, trying to come up with some of those studies. So today, are we going to talk to you about uh, implicit bias? No, not really. What we're going to talk about, right, Ralph, is the creative process. Yeah, and uh, one of the things that we find is that uh, a lot of people, when you say... Uh, are you creative? Their immediate answer is, no, I don't have a creative bone in my body. Uh-huh. That's kind of interesting. Do you think people are just, do um, you think that's a true statement, that people are just not creative? No, I, I don't think that's true at all. I think uh, everybody is creative, and people who think they are not creative can uh, do various uh, things and discover that, gee, in fact, they are creative. Okay, so let's go back to our definition of creativity. Creativity is doing something that's unique, right? Unique, um, yes. Uh, usually it's something that's valued, right? Right. Um, although there could be, I suppose, uh, uh, creative projects that are not necessarily highly valued. And um, what else? What other dimensions to it solves some sort of a problem, right? Right. So the problem, uh, just to capitalize on what we were just saying, the problem may be that the person doesn't think they're creative. Okay. 
And, you know, a lot of people, when you say creativity, immediately go to arts and they say, well, I, I can't uh, draw a straight line. Well, it is absolutely amazing the number of times that there are no straight lines in any drawing. Yeah. Paul Klee can show us that, can't he? Yeah. Okay, good, good point. Um, so somehow there's this mystique to um, creativity and the creative process that, uh, let's, let's sort of flip it. Uh, Jim, are you creative? Uh, yes, I'm very creative, Ralph. Well, what does that say about Jim? Does it say that Jim is an egotist or that Jim is, is in some way different from other people? Could, could say either of them because to value yourself for being creative is to some extent saying, well, I have enough ego involved here that I'm recognizing that I'm good at <laughs> solving problems in different ways. Mm -hmm. I can re remember... Uh, uh, a speech that our former president, that is the the last president, made, where he was touting um, his creative projects, like the blank vodka and the blank steaks. Here's a here's a Trump steak, and it was sort of funny. It'd be interesting to be able to find that somewhere on YouTube and, and play it again. Play it again for our listeners, but it does smack of egotism, no question, and yet. The, uh, the 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 work of highly creative people is um, uh, a benefit. You know, we're sitting here in an office, right? And I'm looking up and seeing light bulbs. Well, you know, Edison is a good example of of somebody who is creative. Although he was creative within a context where he had lots and lots of help, you know, for yeah. his creativity. Yeah, and part of the thing, you know, that. Uh, it's it's almost become a cliche that somebody asked him uh, after he'd been working on the light bulb problem for about four years, and they said, uh, well, what have you learned about uh, making light from electricity? And he said, well, I now know about 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb. Right, but at that point, he still hadn't made the light bulb, had he? No, he yeah. hadn't, and uh, he was keeping going. Okay. Was, you know, he and his team were trying new things uh, literally every week and mm -hmm. finding, oh, that didn't work. Okay, so there's a, a lesson here, Ralph, I think. When we hear about creativity and we hear the, the Edison story, the word that jumps to mind is persistence. He persisted and he persisted and he persisted and he finally solved the problem. But have you ever been into a, a situation where you're doing something that's creative and you just can't come up with a solution? I have. And uh, anybody who has tried to do a little writing, and I'm not talking here about academic or technical writing, I'm talking about what we loosely call creative writing, uh, knows that... At certain points uh, in development of your story, you hit, or are likely to hit, writer's block, mm -hmm. where you just say, I have no idea where this is going. Now. Okay, so getting the writer's block, what's, uh, what's the, if we use the Edison model, 
We've, we're going to fight right through it. In fact, Hemingway talked about that, too, in, his, in terms of his writing. You, you grab an idea and you wrestle it to the ground. Yeah, and, you know, that works for some people. Um, the, uh, the writer uh, Robert Parker, who wrote uh, mystery stories, somebody asked him the secret of, of his uh, prolific outbook, output, and he said, well, I write five pages a day, every day of the year, except Christmas and Thanksgiving. Okay. And, yeah, I mean, forcing yourself to write five pages a day uh, does give you a good output, no doubt. Mm -hmm. But it also means that, you know, what on a given day might take you two hours, on another day might take you ten hours. Yeah, good point. So, you know, you say, well, I'm not going to quit until I have my five pages written. Um, you know, that's sometimes like sitting in your chair and thinking until beads of blood appear on your forehead. Yeah. I was interviewing uh, Richard Adams. Now, a lot of people probably have forgotten who he is. He was a, a British author who wrote uh, the uh, allegory Watership Down. Right. And I was asking him about how he wrote. And he wasn't like Parker. He didn't do um, uh, five pages. But this is back in the day before computers, and he would uh, fill up two pages of what he referred to as fool's cap, which we would call a, a legal pad. Right. So the front and the back. And then he said, after he you know, did that, uh, if he felt like he could keep going, he would. But uh, if he still wasn't happy with his results, he just stopped right there and put it aside for the next day. So I'm going to suggest to our listeners that, well, I'm not going to say procrastination is a good thing, but sometimes if you um, uh, are assailed by some sort of creative block, just put it to one side. You know, Edison, yeah, he was right for him himself, but for you and I, maybe you know, doing something different, like... yeah. And one of the things that we have to emphasize for our listeners is that, you know, Edison had a team. So part of the thing that they did every day was they would get together in some sort of team meeting and say, where are we? Where mm -hmm. do we go next? Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah, maybe members of the team had hit a block but some other individual in the team might spark a new idea. Yeah, good good point. The uh, uh, the part of, uh, I think it's Apollo 11 or Apollo 13, that I really liked in the movie was uh, when they had completely come up with a block for every idea to get the astronauts home. And then there was one person in the group who said, well... Here's how you do it. You know, he, he had not talked up to this point before. Everybody else had been talking. He, he had not. And at that point, you know, a really good science fiction movie became a really good creative problem-solving movie. Yeah, and the thing is that, you know, he got a lot of strange looks because uh, his solution was kind of off the wall. Mm. But... <coughs> Yep. 
because uh, yeah, I think we've got a uh, little what little bad ventilation going on here. I think, I think maybe uh, yeah. So a while ago, we did a uh, podcast called "Try an Inversion." Do you remember? That was one that you led, Ralph. What what was that all about? Well, that was trying to uh, approach the problem kind of upside down, if you will. Okay. So, but in in this particular case, if I recall, it was uh, physically upside down. So that if a person had some sort of a writer's block or a block of some kind, your suggestion was that they hang from their... Uh, uh, their knees, I guess, upside down, and they get to see the world from a different perspective. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, that was right. And, uh, you know, aside from the fact that uh, if you're uh, an old guy, hanging by your knees might be a little bit diffi difficult, but uh, there are, are three things that uh, turn out to be the major blocks and uh, trying to overcome them is usually a, a useful sort of thing. Okay, what are the three? Okay, the, you're unable to see the problem. Uh-huh, okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're not able to take a different approach. You know, going back to Edison, you know, if I think about how he came up with a filament for his uh, uh, light bulb, the one that worked, All Right. my understanding is he used... Um, fabric. He used something that doesn't, uh, um, uh, on the face of it at least, um, what's the word, uh, conduct electricity. He, you know, he used something like my, my little piece of cotton like my shirt's made out of, right? Right. And part of what uh, happened is in using that non-conductive material, uh, what they were able to do is show that in a vacuum, uh, it did conduct electricity, and it conducted electricity enough to glow mm -hmm. without burning out. Yeah. Because there was no oxygen in the air to burn it out. Yeah, but they had to do something else to that little piece of cloth, right? They had to char it, if yeah. I recall correctly. Okay, so read number two again. you got a book there. so Not able to take a different approach. Okay, so they certainly took a different approach. And yeah. Hanging by your knees might be a different approach also. Right. And the other thing is that a lot of us, for various reasons, have fears, uh, and so we're afraid to come to grips with the situation. Okay, so now, whether some, the situation is, I got to write this story, you know, well, okay. I know some people who I'm sure would be good writers, but they don't write worth a darn. It's yeah, or at least they don't write often enough to uh, become fluent in putting their ideas on paper. Yeah, i got to get my crappy ideas on this crappy piece of paper. And the other thing that a lot of us uh, experience in, in work situations is, you know, we, we are kind of like the guy who from Apollo 13 was sitting in the corner and not speaking is uh, we're sort of afraid to be the guy who comes up with the weird but workable solution mm -hmm. uh, for fear of everybody in the room turning to us and saying, that's weird, 
Yeah. Fortunately, you and I have not ever had that uh, difficulty. No. no. <laughs> we're, we're, We've been identified as weird a lot. Yeah, the, the, the weird people in the room. Okay, so we took a look, lot, a little easy for me to say, we took a look at, at creativity today, and a particular block toward creativity. You know, if Edison could be right, at least for him, that you press on, you persevere. But, you know, you might be right also. Take a different approach. Look at the problem differently. See if you can come up with alternative uh, approaches to the to the problem. Yeah, and you know if you're if you're stuck with uh, with a word problem like writing something, uh, it's sometimes worthwhile when you you hit that writer's block to go and do something else. Uh, it. It could be sitting down with a doodle pad and and uh, drawing weird shapes and turning them into ducks or dogs or whatever, or it could be uh, you know going out to your shop and doing some woodworking. And in the meantime, in the back of your mind, your word problem is incubating. Incubating. Okay. Well. From the music in the background, I'd say that our time for today is up. So, Ralph, are you going to go and do something creative this afternoon? I think I'm going to go uh, and have some lunch, and then I'm going to go and plant some flowers. Okay, sounds good. I think I'll do the same. So until next time, this is Jim. And Ralph. Saying. Keep your stick on the ice. Because we're all in this together. together.